I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, as always, presented by our good friends over at Scentlock. Today, I'm joined by a good friend of mine. I'm joined by one of my favorite people to podcast with. I'm joined by one of my favorite people to listen to on a podcast. One of my favorite guys to talk to in general, Mr. Dave Thomas from Bowhunter Planet. I love the way Dave thinks about things. I love the way Dave talks about things. I love the business that Dave has in reaching the general public with hunting and and reaching the everyday average bow hunter and giving them information, tips, tricks. I just love talking with Dave. And today we talk about kind of the pressure that we as hunters put on ourselves, whether that's coming from social media, whether that's coming from professional people inside the industry, whether that's coming from your family at home. We put this certain amount of pressure on ourselves during hunting season. That's just unnecessary. It takes away from the joy of hunting. It takes away what we're there to do and and there to enjoy. We talk about how, how to overcome those pressures and how to not buy into those pressures. We also talk about our favorite budget buys of the year, our favorite bows of the year. We talk about uh, innovative change in archery, and that's across the board, not just at Bear. We talk about things that companies are doing that are changing the game forever Um, and and doing things that, you know, if, if somebody were to look at it 30 years ago, they honestly wouldn't even believe that it was happening in archery. So, guys... It's a really fun episode. We also dive into last-minute Christmas ideas, one of which being the archery repair kit from Bowhunter Planet, which is just a phenomenal idea. Everybody should have one in the truck, in the backpack, at hunting camp. It's a really cool idea. It's dirt cheap, and it's going to be an an awesome product to have in the field if something does go wrong. Guys, it's a phenomenal episode, so thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start than right now. So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. Guys, I'm a big believer in prioritizing your feet. Your feet should always be a priority, and you should always be considering what's on your feet. If you're in the mountains and you've got blisters and hot spots, you are not going to go as far. You're not going to make it to that next ridge. You're not going to stay on the mountain as long. Ultimately, you're not going to be as successful. If you're sitting in a whitetail stand and your feet are freezing, you're going to get more jittery. You're not going to be as still. You're not going to be as quiet. You're not going to stay as long. Ultimately, you're not going to be able to kill that big buck in the dead of winter. If you're chasing antelope, you've got to be able to be quick and quiet and fast and have comfortable feet. Guys, no matter what you're chasing, no matter the pursuit, no matter the game, your feet should be a priority. I have fallen in love with Schnee boots. 
I didn't even know how normal hot spots and blisters were in my life until I got a good pair of boots because I was probably a lot like you. I would run to a, a Cabela's Bass Pro and I would buy a pair of $100 boots thinking that I was saving money. But those boots break down faster and I got to keep buying boots. So guys, don't let a pair of $400 boots keep you from buying good boots because in the long run, those $100 boots, they add up. Whereas if you spend good money on a good pair of Italian-made handcrafted boot, they're going to last you for 10, 15 years. They're going to be way more comfortable. You're going to be more successful. Your feet will be more comfortable. You will thank me later. So guys, go check out schnees.com for all of your boots. That's S-C-H-N-E-E-S.com. The best boots on planet Earth, Schnee boots. Go check them out. Thank me later. But guys, start prioritizing your feet and get yourself a good pair of boots. Dave Thomas, everybody. One of my favorite people to podcast with. What's up, man? It's probably because I podcast myself, so you're kind of used to like the someone who actually has a decent <laughs> camera, a decent mic. Yeah, well, that's probably <laughs> it too, but... It can hold um, a conversation. <laughs> yeah. We, no, it, the conversation always just turns out good with Dave Thomas, and so I'm excited to have you on. I... Really, man, I told you before we started, um, a conversation came up with a guy. I was on my way to a hunt and we just kind of and he's in the industry um, and we just kind of started talking about like the the professional pressure, if you will, about hunting. And, you know, even though, you know, we started talking about that, like, do I still get a paycheck if I don't kill a deer? Yes. Like my job is not dependent <laughs> on me killing a deer. But being that you're a professional in the industry, it puts this amount of pressure on you. And so we started talking about how we think there's overflow from the professional pressure onto, you know, the general population of hunters. And so I just started, I just immediately came to my mind. I'm like, this is a Dave Thomas episode. Like I need to talk to Dave about this. Um, <laughs> pressures of hunting. You, you, yeah, the pressures of hunting. Because no, I, mean, I just really like the way you articulate about some of those things and, and the way that... Uh, you know, we share common common values on those ideas behind, you know, not feeling obligated to shoot any certain thing or um, carrying yourself in a way that will, you know, cast a good light on hunters and bow hunters in general. And so I just thought this needs to be a topic for me and Dave. So um, how's your season going, man? Before we jump into all that, how's your season going? You know what? I'll be honest, man. One of the best things I've ever did with uh, Bowhunter Planet was to just get away from the filming of the hunts to be honest oh my gosh yeah and we used to work really hard to like get a team together we we had a two different shows one called bone driven you can still watch all these on on our youtube but bone driven and then hunt series and um one of the reasons i chose to create those shows was all around the 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 business of archery and just having people to test products in the field realistically like in an actual hunting scenario and it was, it was like, it was fun. Don't get me wrong. I had its ups and downs, but taking that pressure away of filming a hunt uh, and, or trying to get a big buck down type thing was uh, the best stress relief I've ever had to get rid of that. You know, I was like, Oh, I don't, you know, cause otherwise you feel like you owe people things and that's the issue, right? It's like, okay, I owe, I owe Hoyt this or Botech this or bear this. Right. So like you just, you want to be in a position where you don't have to do all that. And that's why I always tell people, I think it's funny when, People always want to be in the industry. I'm like, why do you want to be in the industry? I'm like, just go buy a bow and you're done. <laughs> you don't ever have to like have any pressure on you at all. And you could still get the thing about that. It's funny is that if you still were to shoot a decent buck, most of those bow brands will actually post that picture or video anyway. 
Um, yeah. So that's why I think it's funny. You know, they love fan stuff. They love it. Absolutely, man. Um, and that's what, you know, I remember hearing Cameron Haynes talk about that one time and, you know, he was just talking about the want and desire to, to be sponsored by people and, you know, make, make some sort of name in the industry. And, and he said that very thing. He said, I promise you, if you buy a bear and you start just getting good quality content, you know, and it doesn't have to be dead animals. It could be you out shooting your bow, but it's good quality content that represents archery in a tasteful manner in a respectful manner. And you start tagging them and you start promoting them. They will notice like they will yeah. notice and they would love to use that content. And part For of the sure. reason is part of the reason is it's genuine content. You know what I mean? It's, it's not from a paid person that was, that was paid to, to make that content. Um, and so it means sometimes it means even more for bear to use that because they know, and they realize this is a genuine review. This is a genuine, they chose our product, not because of a paycheck, not because of a, but they chose our product because they love it. And so, yeah. um, you know, and I, I stand behind Cameron on that. Like if you, and whatever, it doesn't have to be a bow. It could be a tree stand. It could be a, yeah, an arrow company, sure. you know, whatever it is that you like, you start promoting those in a good tasteful manner and tagging yeah. those people. They will notice. I promise. You know, so going back into my season specifically, it's been um, it's been less stressful because I don't have to get a deer. Right. So this is yeah. what the advantage is to me. That's why I brought up the show thing, not having that, uh, not have to worry about that or deal with it. And, uh, you know, I had some opportunities. I had a nice um, eight point came in. But the problem was he wasn't huge, but we're talking Michigan here. And uh, he 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 popped out in this field. But literally why he was doing that, I saw a doe running. And I look up and this massive buck runs chasing her, right? This is like 80 yards in front of me. And so at that moment, they both go in front of me in the woods somewhere. I can't see them, but they're in front of me. This eight point then different eight point, you know, comes in right five yards. You know, I'm like, oh God, but I couldn't shoot him because I was like, yeah, I can't. <laughs> I know there's a monster literally just above in that woods right in front of me. And at any moment he could run out, you know. And so I'm like, I can't shoot this deer. And so then that was it. Never saw that deer again. And I saw the little one. I saw him three times after that. And I tried to shoot him then. because I was like, all right, well, I, I'm going to try to get something this year. I need some meat. And he's a nice buck. I mean, he's not huge, but he's probably a two and a half, three and a half year old deer. It's going to go down. Right. But I couldn't get him, man. He got me every time. And it's actually funny. I was, you know, since I'm a content creator person, I'm always doing content in the field. So even when I'm sitting there bored or, you know, waiting for deer to come, I'm trying to do something. Right. So I'm, I'm getting content done. So I put my bow on my lap and I'm taking this really cool picture. It's like a wide angle with my iPhone. I'm really excited about it. I'm like, this looks so cool. And I look up and he's right there, like literally right there, like 10 yards from me walking, like, like, like towards me on an angle. And as soon as I get my bow up off my lap and connect on, he's already in this like no zone where I can't shoot because of twigs and branches and stuff. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And so because I was messing with that camera, I missed that shot. And I, I was like, I can't, and I, I, I the funny part, he's in the picture. <laughs> I took the picture. You can see him standing, like, look, like coming like right out at me. I'm like, God dang it, man. And that's it. So that's it. That's really been it. I, I had another small four point, you know, a couple spikes. I didn't shoot them, but I mean, you know, encounters, not really many does to be honest at close range. So that was, you know, I normally I would just shoot a doe if I could, you know, 
I'm all for guys filming their hunts. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. Cause I love watching deer hunts. Yeah. Um, but you're absolutely right, dude. It adds this extra level of stress to a already can be stressful situation. And I was just down in Oklahoma with a guy. And if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sorry, I'm gonna talk bad about you for a minute. Um, he is in the industry, but he has no obligation to film hunts. Uh, he's a, he's a, he's a, a partner in conservation to Pope and young, um, has no obligation to film hunts, but he likes to film his hunts, something he enjoys doing, which I get that there is a, a fun part to filming hunts too. And he has a nice shooter buck come in. And, uh, later on, I'm like, dude, why didn't you shoot that buck? And he said, I couldn't get him on camera. And I'm like, that's stupid. Uh, like yeah. that's dumb. Um, however, if you enjoy doing that, so be it. I mean, that's what you enjoy to hunt the way you enjoy to hunt. If filming is what you enjoy to do, film it. Um, yeah. But I, I I think you're absolutely right, man. That is why I love doing a podcast. Used to be in the TV game, hated it, um, you know, because I was the type of guy where I would have that deer underneath me, and the cameraman would say I'm not on him, and I'd shoot anyways. You know, I, I didn't care. I just like to kill stuff. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. There was one time. There was one time. Literally, we're down in Texas, and you hear me say, "Are you on him?" And he says, "No." And then you just hear the bow go off anyways, <laughs> and so like that's. That's how I am though. And so yeah. I just think there's so much added pressure to the, you're taking away some of the joy of hunting mm. by adding all of this unnecessary pressure. <laughs> yeah. See, I mean, hunting has always been, hunting has always been, it's the, what do you call it? It's the um, hobby. It's the hobby, right? It, it's the thing you do to get away from your job. It's the thing you do to take pressure out of your job. And this is something that comes up a lot, even for us. So like when I'm doing videos on different bow manufacturers and I'm doing live sessions, you know, once in a while people will come in and they'll, they'll throw politics in there like Trump or Biden, right? They'll throw in some weird politics thing. And I'm like, dude, I'm not answering that regardless because guess what? People don't come here to talk politics. They come here to get away from that. Yeah. Stuff. To not deal with the, the normal day-to-day -day bull crap they're dealing with. And so that's that's the thing. And when you try to mix business with pleasure in that sense, you have that issue. And that's why I got rid of those shows is because I don't want to do that. Like from the standpoint of going out and filming a hunt to film it for fun, that way if you get it or don't get it, it doesn't matter. That's awesome, you know. But if you go out and yeah. you're saying, you know, are you on it and you're not and you don't shoot, well, not like you said, you're really taken away from – the concept of the hunt. So what are you trying to accomplish? Right. Cause if you, if you're going to turn it into a business, unfortunately, I think for that, those people, people see through that and they see through it, that it's a business now. And that's what happened to TV hunting, you know, TV hunting is really fallen from, it used to be like the biggest thing out there. And now it's literally like, people don't even watch it. The people who do watch it know that it's like kind of paid, you know, pay to play. You go on these ranches, you, you know, it's like, okay, well, if I got 20 grand, I can go on this ranch and shoot a deer and someone's going to put me right on it. You know what I mean? This is, or, or, or the groups that we're talking about have 15,000 acres, you know, <laughs> in these areas like in Iowa yeah. or Georgia or whatever, you know, when you talk about companies that are involved with these shows, they have a lot of land and they have access to anywhere. So of course I'm like, well, that's cool for some people, but it's not me. It's not the average person, you know? So I don't know. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, man. And that is, you know, again, um, 
that's why I love doing the podcast game because there's no obligation to film my hunts. There's no obligation in the field to do that. Now, you know, me and that guy essentially alluded to like, yes, I still get paid. I have no obligation to shoot deer on camera, but being that you're in the industry, you feel a certain amount of pressure to come away from the season with a dead buck, you know? Um, It'd be and nice. if not, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, then next season you're going, well, dude, I didn't kill one last year. Like, yeah, people aren't going to take me serious if I go season after season without killing deer. Um, and so there's just a certain amount of pressure. But I think the problem is, and here's what, here's what I think that the main problem lies. We as a professional, as as those in the industry we cast that amount of pressure onto the general public. And then they start feeling that pressure of, well, I've got to kill a buck because everybody else is killing a buck. And if I don't kill one, people aren't going to take me serious. And we've yeah. just, we've missed the mark. You know what I mean? We've I missed, yeah. we've missed the mark. And so I just want to encourage the listener, A, you don't have to try to make it your profession. Oh, for sure. Do it just yeah. because Don't you absolutely it. love Don't it. Don't do it. I'd yeah. recommend that highly. I, I Everybody asks me all the time. There's some kids, actually, the other day, uh, Tim was talking to some kids. I say kids, like in their 20s, you know, and they're talking about they want to start a hunting show. And they they showed us a video, showed Tim a video. And it's, it's actually a pretty decent video. And I said to Tim, I go, if those kids want to do a video like that, like tell them to just give it to us and let us post it. Think of the amount of work it would take to start a, a page from scratch. Right. I'm like, what's the point? Like just, just post under ours and see how it does. If it does great. Cool. If it doesn't, that's cool too. Right. I mean, but before you get, cause here's what happens. This happens every time. This happens every single time people create a hunting show. They get some, some push because they're friends or whatever. They'll get like, you know, maybe 2000 subscribers on YouTube. They'll get moving a little bit. And then all of a sudden they expect full sponsorships. Like I want free bows. I want free this. I want this. I want that. They get real pushy. And like, and this is the issue. They don't, they don't ever look at it like how, and then the, or it's the opposite where they're paying for everything, but they're going above and beyond spending 20, $30,000 a year on production and all this stuff. Right. And then they're never going to recoup that. I mean, that's never going to, you're never going to make, I've seen it three or four times now with shows put too much money into something thinking that they could just buy their way into it and they can't. And then the flip side, I've seen kids who, like I said, come up who do a good job, but they just they don't look at the right avenue instead of just trying to do it yourself and do this. You can't. It doesn't work that way. Companies don't don't just hey, I'm going to sponsor you because you're because you've done a couple of good things. You know what I mean? Like it's, there's a lot to it. It's just not as simple as it might appear. But my point is, don't waste your time with it unless I mean I'm not saying don't follow your dream. If that's your dream, that's your dream. But I am saying like if you're going to be mediocre at it, don't waste your time because it's not gonna it's not gonna help you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and so my second point I wanted to make was there's no pressure to kill a deer. Like, don't don't put that pressure on yourself. Don't yeah. add that extra pressure and take away the joy of what you're doing because then hunting becomes stressful. And then hunting becomes, oh, man, I've got to get out there and I've got to do this. I've got to find the deer. I've got to kill them. Yep. Just enjoy doing what you enjoy doing. Like, so many people add all of that pressure to themselves to kill an animal because they think that people won't take them serious or people won't view them as a real hunter anymore. Well, let me just say this. If anybody views you as not a real hunter because of what you kill, because of the size of the deer you kill, or because 
you you didn't get one this season. If somebody views you in a negative light for that reason, they're the problem, not you. For sure. They're yeah, the I ones mean, that are I hurting agree. the industry, not helping it. You know what I mean? This is a be this will be um this will be my second year not getting a deer, actually, if I don't get one this year. And I only got a couple weeks left, so I don't know if it's gonna happen, but um Here's the way I look at things, and I, I, I'm a little different, I think. I don't have to get a deer. Don't get me wrong. I am in the industry. It would be nice to kill a nice deer. I get a lot of invites, too. I want to be clear on that. I just don't have the time to take a, take take part in those. I wish I did because, I mean, really nice invites from a lot of fans and stuff that invite me to go to different states. I mean, I've been invited to Kansas. I've been invited to some amazing stuff. I just don't have the time necessarily. But um, I, I kind of look at it as a meat thing, right? How, how much meat do I have? Do I have enough to get through a season, you know, um, a winner? Yes or no, really, is my first thing. And if the answer is I have enough, and I mean, I, do I have enough because my father-in-law shot a deer and he's going to give me some of his. My son shot a deer last year, so we had his meat. I didn't even really need my own meat, you know. So I had enough to get through. And when I say enough, we only really need one deer for our family. Some people need a couple more, right? I, it doesn't matter. But uh, or you get, or feed the hungry, right? If there's if there's church things or whatever, that's different. Like if I'm being asked to do that, or then I'm definitely try to work on that. But I don't just shoot anything is my point. Like, I don't just go out there at first doe I see I shoot. So that's the difference. I, I, you know, if I see a spike, I don't usually shoot spikes or four points. That's by choice. That's not by necessity. And I only do that because the 300 acres we hunt on, I think, well, we have a multi-year lease. So like I might as well let them go and let them grow. <laughs> maybe get lucky. Maybe not. You know, yeah. if I don't need the meat, you know, to my point, though, it's always comes back down to the food for me. Yeah, absolutely, man. And that's a good way to look at it. Like, man, I, I tell people jokingly, I, I tell people I'm the king of 120s. Like, because if a 120 <laughs> comes in, it's probably going to die. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. If 120 now, walks in, get out of there. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong, guys. Like, if you play the game of like, I want him to grow for next season, that's perfect. But I've played that game and got burned way too many times. Oh, yeah, you can easily get burned on it. But I'm talking about more spikes and little ones, not 120. What now it depends yeah. where you're at too, though. I want to throw that out there because I have seen it where when I was in Ohio one time hunting, we were hunting, um, it was an outfitter. It wasn't like it was all like open train, you know, but our free reign. But like he he basically leased like 10 farms, right? And he would then you pay him to go hunt those farms, basically. So we did that, but there was a rule 140 or better. That was the rule. And so, like, that was hard, man. Like, for someone who doesn't see 120s a lot and stuff, I was seeing 120s, 130s all day. And then and that's why they have 140 pluses because they let those go, you know. But, again, that was a rule. And if you were to break that rule, it was like a $3,000 fine. So I wasn't breaking the rule, you know. Like, I'm like, okay. Yeah. But it was hard. Not going to lie. That was a hard situation. But cool to see, though. You know, one day I saw about 65 deer go by. And out of those 65 deer, I probably saw yeah. 20 or 30 120s, you know. That's crazy. See, and that's what, you know, if your outfitter is adding all that pressure to you, you know, I showed up one time and it was a mutual friend of ours, uh, Alec, um, who used to be at Bear. We went down to Texas and we show up and that outfitter pulls out a binder, like a literal binder. And he's going through all these rules and he says, okay, if it's a nine point, it's got to be at least 135. If it's got a broken off tine, it's got to be at least a... <laughs> If it's four and a Ugh. half, it's got to be at least a 10 point. If it's That's hard. got a, a 12 point, then it has to reach this. Too much thinking. Oh my gosh, dude. There That's were so thinking. many times, like there, there were two different times where a deer walks out and I would have shot in a heartbeat. 
And Alec was looking at me. He's like, dude, do I shoot this deer or not? And I'm like flipping through a binder. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he's got, I'm literally looking through a binder and I'm like, I don't know, man. Cause he's got that ninth point, but I don't know if he's four and a half. So, yeah. you know, if he's under the four and a half and he's got the ninth point, it's gotta be this. If he's over four and a half, he's got the ninth point. It's gotta be this. And I'm like, I wouldn't man. And then you go to the outfitter yeah. and you show him, he's like, ah, yeah, that would have been a fine. And then yeah, you exactly. pass on the deer and you go to the outfitter and he's like, oh no, dude, that would have been a perfect deer to shoot. Yeah, like, I don't know that anymore. That, that happened yeah, to us with I that one mile. <laughs> we literally left. Yeah. Oh, I don't. Yeah. That's like so I, stressful. I was just like, dude, I can't, I've got another outfitter up the road called that outfitter. I'm like, dude, listen, I come to a place that I don't want to be. at. <laughs> we don't want to be at. Can you get me out of this? And he's like, absolutely, yeah. dude, come on up, you know, shoot some deer. That's awesome. And, uh, but there's just so much pressure that we add on ourselves, unnecessary pressure. You know, some of that's even family pressure. Mm-hmm. I've felt the pressure of my family before, you know, because listen, your kids don't understand why is dad always gone, but he always comes home empty handed. Like <laughs> they don't understand. Like they don't, they're like, dad, I saw the picture of the deer that you, and I'm like, but sweetheart, that deer was at 73 yards. Like, like, yeah. so shoot it. And like, you know, you're trying to explain to children, Hey, dad missed your birthday for this hunt, even though I didn't kill anything. And so there's almost even a pressure from home, you know, like, yeah, guys do it every year. Wife is expecting the guys here go to Illinois every year. They pay a lot of money for that hunt. It's like $2,400 a guy and they go every year and they're always gone for Halloween, like every year. Yeah. And I, and I tell them like, they're like, you want to go? I'm like, dude, I'm not skipping Halloween, man. My kids are. You know, they're getting older now, but I'm just saying, like, I still like I'm not skipping Halloween for a hunt. Like, no offense. I I love deer hunting. And I'm also, to be honest with you, it makes it easier knowing it's 2400 bucks because I'm like, oh, 2400 bucks, man. It's a lot of money. I mean, that's not like chump change to go shoot it. And you only get one week. It's only like you get it's not like you get the whole season. Like, that's the cost of my lease, you know, for a year. I'm like, I, like, I don't know. You know, it just seems a little bit much. But I uh, but I agree. The pressure could be could be pretty high too. you know, especially when. You don't get anything. I mean, I've been through that phase as well, where you come back every year empty-handed. But that was usually when I was on state land because that was really hard, man. State land's really hard. That's why yeah. I love the hunting public. Those guys have done a great job, and that's why the show's so successful because it's it's state lands for the most part. I'm pretty sure, and it's the average person trying to get it. You know, it's that's it's amazing. Yeah. It's really well done. You know, they do it and they do it really well, in my opinion. Um, Heck yeah. I'm not just saying that because they're bear guys. I'm not just saying that because they're buddies. I'm saying that because, you know, they're bear guys because they do it and do it well. They're bear mm-hmm. guys because of the way they carry themselves of that mentality of like, you don't have to spend thousands of dollars on a bow because of that mentality of like, anybody can do it. They cast a really good vision of hunting. Um, and, and I really like what they do and what they stand for. Um, so what would be your advice to the person who, you know, they're not in the industry, but yet they feel all of this pressure. They feel that overwhelming sense of like, I have to do this. Like, you know, if I don't, people won't think I'm serious. Like they just, they, they've added all that pressure to themselves. It's taken away the joy of the hunt. It's taken away why they do what they do. What's your advice to that guy? I say just take a step back. Like I, you know, taking pressure off yourself is like a, some it's really important. And I think if you were to, 
find the right friends, right? <laughs> you shouldn't have that issue to be honest in the, in the first place. But I, you know, again, family pressures, all I totally understand. And my whole thing is just take a step back, just relax and, and, and try to take it for what it's for. I mean, hunting again was always for obviously food consumption, but at the same time, you know, relaxation, it's like a hobby, right? So, so what's the difference if you go hunting or if you go golfing, you don't come back with anything from golfing, right? You come back with a scorecard. So realistically, it doesn't really matter in that sense that, you know, as some family would probably tell you, why aren't you, did you catch anything? You know, people love to say that, but <laughs> that's where catching deers <laughs> came from. But no, I mean, it's like, I don't know. I, I just, I just erase the pressure, you know, again, don't give your, don't put yourself in any position where there is the pressure, I guess would be the best advice I have. So for instance, don't sign up for a sponsorship that has to be with a hunt. Don't tell your family you're expected to see something. Tell them the opposite. Tell them, hey, we're not really seeing much on trail cam. So don't expect to see much, but we got to try, you know, we don't give up. We, we keep going. Right. So yeah, that's kind of what I say. Guys, I am a big believer in custom built aftermarket strings. Basically the moment I pull my bow out of the box, whether it's a new compound, a new recurve, a new longbow, I'm going to be putting a custom built aftermarket string on that bow at dominant strands. They're going to be using high quality fibers from BCY like a low wax 452X, the low wax content and the special way that they pre-stress and pre-stretch those strings and cables make for a very, very stable set of strings. They're going to last longer and they're going to shoot better. There's going to be very little peep rotation. There's going to be very little stretch over time. You are going to be a lot happier in the long term. You're just going to have a lot better shooting experience when you upgrade those strings to an aftermarket custom built set of strings. Plus, you can customize them any way you want. Now, I'm also a huge believer in custom built strings for a longbow or recurve. Why? Because coming from the factory, they're not going to be using the highest quality materials. They're not going to be pre-stretching those strings over long periods of time. Whereas, again, if I call up dominant strands, they're going to build the best set of strings for that bow. I'm going to walk them through what I want out of that string, what I want out of that bow, and they're going to build a set of strings exactly to spec out of the best materials for that bow. Guys, a custom set, the best string you could ever buy for your ring recurve or longbow, going to cost you about 30 bucks. That is the most bang for your buck that you can get when upgrading your longbow or recurve. You're going to get an incredible shooting experience upgrade for just 30 bucks. So I encourage everybody, the moment that recurve or longbow comes out of the box, upgrade it to a custom-built string. Guys, the people over at Dominant Strands, they are unmatched when it comes to their customer service. You're going to call them up. You're going to talk to your string builder, the guy that's going to be building your strings. He's going to ask you what you're looking to get out of the bow. He's going to ask you about your bow. He's going to ask you about your knocks. He's going to ask you everything about your bow setup so he can build you the best set of strings for your bow. Guys, I would highly encourage everybody, no matter the bow, no matter the manufacturer, to consider upgrading your strings to a nice set of custom-built aftermarket strings. My boys over at Dominant Strands, they do it, and they do it very, very well. Their turnaround time is incredible. Their attention to detail is unmatched. Guys, give them a call for your next set of strings, and I promise you, you will be happy. I have to ask you a quick question because I don't want to go throughout this podcast without asking this question real quick. So what is your bear bow pick of the year? Because I ain't going to see it ATA this year. I ain't going. So I need to know now. <laughs> You're not going? 
No. Dude, that's where later. I get my that's where I get my dose of Dave Thomas at, dude. Like, what's <laughs> what's up? Yeah, it's not going down this year, my friend. Too far for us. Too far. Oh my gosh. That's where I get my dose yeah. of Dave Thomas. I go every other year. That's been my new thing anyway. Yeah. Um, so what are you picking? Loaded question, dude, because I'm already shooting two of them. Um I Best value, remember, it's best value. Best value would be the Whitetail Max, 100% for sure. Whitetail um, Max the, you're going with? Yes. Why'd you act like it's stupid? Why'd you act like I, that's a stupid pick? You said Whitetail Max. I'll tell you why. With? I don't agree with it, but I... I, I you're yeah, going with I, I, don't, the, I don't agree with that one, but I, that's okay. That's okay. That's why we, we go back and forth on these things. You and I never actually picked the same one anyway. I was kind of no, disappointed. I thought you would finally pick the same one as me. <laughs> it, what are you going with the Alaskan XT? Absolutely, hundred percent. And the yeah, reason no, is, no. I've actually had re- this conversation with two people. Both of those would be the perfect budget bow, best buy choice. Both of them, for different reasons, uh, in my opinion. If you want the flex, if you want the flexibility in a cam system, then go with the Whitetail Max. If you want the flexibility in mounting systems. Go with the Alaskan XT. Both shoot really well. I like the I'm, way both of them shoot. I'm trying to find the Whitetail Max pricing here for the ready to hunt package. It, it does come ready to hunt, right? Ready to hunt is 700. 700. So they're about the same price then. Yep, 50 bucks okay. more for the bare bow and 50 bucks more for the package. The reason I chose the Alaskan XT is technology. So I, my thought was, look, if I'm going to spend the same amount. I think I'd prefer to have the IMS system on there, the Picatinny in the front yeah, and be able to get in line. That's all I'm saying, because I felt like for the same price, I could get the newest technologies. You know what I mean? Basically it's a longer bow though. Yeah. So I will say that I didn't realize it was longer. It is two inches difference. I do prefer the 31 over the 33, but that XT is, is a really good bow. So I don't know. Now you kind of got me thinking, cause I, I do like a 31. <laughs> I'm going to have to reassess before I do my video this year. So, again, um, I I told one guy, one guy literally called me yesterday and he was trying to decide between the two. And I said, both of those bows at that price point offer you something special. At that price point, the Whitetail Max is offering you the EKO cam, which gives you the ability to adjust from 75 to 90% let off. It's going to be a very good shooting Mm. bow. The fact that they're offering you a uh, EKO cam at a $600 price point is phenomenal. That's a good point. Just that like you point. said, the Alaskan XT is offering you the ability to shoot in line with Picatinny mounts, IMS rest systems at a $560 price point. So both of those bows are offering you something really, really cool at that price point. So if you, and again, I love the, the camp, I love the cam on the Alaskan XT. That bow is a joy to yeah, shoot. Yeah, I was going to say, you're you're, so you're, 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 you're kind of putting the DHC at a lower level, but I don't think so, man. DHC XR is legit. No, again, that legit. DHC cam is phenomenal. And the Alaskan was my bow of choice last year um, because I do love the way that bow shoots. So if you're looking for adjustability in the cam system, I would go with the Whitetail Max. If you're looking for the technology and the adjustability and mounting accessories, yeah. I would go with the Alaskan XT. Both bows, both bows are phenomenal choices. Uh, I, and I'm actually vice versa. I like a 32, 33 inch axle to axle. So mm. I like the axle to axle <laughs> on the Alaskan on better than 
Yeah. I, I like the <laughs> Alaskan funny. axle to axle better than the whitetail max. Um, I think, I think for me, if I could, if I could, uh, if I could, if I could alter the bows, I'd prefer the whitetail max. If it had the IMS systems. Let's so then you way. prefer the persist. <laughs> is that what the persist? Yeah, well, because the persist the- is more money, though. That's not now that's not value. That's more expensive. I was trying to look at the best value bow so people could afford it, you know. But yeah, $1,249.99. Yeah, you get pretty much everything out of that baby. 31. Yeah, and that's what you know that that marries the two in a perfect way. That's because true. you get the EKO cam, you get a 31 inch axle to axle, and you get the IMS, you get the Picatinny mounts, the IMS rests. That new shelf design is brilliant. Uh, I don't yeah, know why like every other too, company yeah. is not putting a rubber coating on their shelf. Uh, and I think people will now. Um, but yeah, best buy bow for me would be the Whitetail Max. I've shot a buck with that bow already. Um, love the way that bow shoots. And, you know, I tell people, and, you know, you, you'll appreciate this because you're in that realm. Um, I shoot the Whitetail Max just as good as I shoot the Persist. You know, yeah. I'm shooting a bow that costs literally half the money just as good now there are some features the, about the persist what would you I say like, is the most but underrated. as far as shooting the most underrated bow oh man i would th- that's where i would have to go with the alaskan xt for sure <laughs> dude the surpass is unbelievable that bow is so underrated I, man i have not shot the, the surpass oh. yet Oh, it's a I love the I love the specs of that bow because again I love a 32 inch axle to axle. Um, Sick rise for me. For me, with that bow, you're not getting the IMS mount, correct? And you're not getting the EKO cam. So, for a budget buy, I would go with either the Alaskan XT or the Whitetail Max because that bow doesn't offer you. Either one of the two, you know, top yes. end feels. You are correct. But for some reason, there's something about the way this bow shoots. I can't even put my finger on it. It is actually, I don't know if it's, it's an amazing bow and it's completely yeah. underrated. In the, the issue why it's underrated, in my opinion, is not, I know it's like there's a lot of tech differences, but the different, the biggest thing is the price because it's a little bit more money. It's not necessarily in the lower, you know, option for a bare bow, uh, B-A-R-E. It's not in the lower option for that, you know, whereas like 500, 550, 600, uh, 750s, like right in the middle of the market. Right. And then you got, I don't know, you know, it's just, it's so underrated. And when I shoot it, I'm like, God, it's a great shooting bow, you know? And it's like, that's a hard one, man. It, it really is a firecracker of a bow. It, it is. And, uh, I don't know if it'll ever get, you know, the, 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 the press it deserves, I guess, because it's in the middle is my point. <laughs> yeah. Now that is, um, you know, going back to best buy of the year. If you want to look at ready to hunt packages, then I think the Alaskan XT ready to hunt package is the best buy of the year because at 660 bucks, you're getting a, a Picatinny mounted site. You're getting an IMS rest yeah awesome at 660 like you're saying a full inline system (laughs) for 660 the only thing it doesn't have so best go ahead sorry so best best buy bow of the year bear is the whitetail max best budget buy ready to hunt is the alaskan xt 
That's a good way to look at it, actually. I, I agree. I would say if I was buying this bow, which I would, the Alaska XT would definitely be on my hit list to, to pick up if I was looking for a bow. Um, I wouldn't alter anything on this bow except for the quiver. I'm not a big fan of the lower end quiver. I'd want the, the one with the lights in it because that trophy ridge with the lights is unbelievable um, quiver. That'd be my only upgrade. Obviously, you would need to release arrows, target, things like that. But, like, man, what a deal. That thing is – this is a yeah. dealer-only bow also, by the way. So that was the other thing. Some bows they sell direct. Not all of them. Most of them are – these ones are most of them are dealer. I think, yeah, most of them are. Yeah, I think, I think everyone we've talked buy. about is a dealer exclusive, except for the Surpass. You can get the Surpass on, on Bear Archery's website. Surpass. Yeah, notify me when available. Yeah, so there are a couple like direct to consumer, uh, but to be honest, it's probably easier just to go in anyway because you know they're going to help set it up for you. You want to make sure you know what you're doing, you know. Um, yeah. So what do you think of that persist though, man? Pretty cool, huh? Great. Oh my gosh, dude, I'm loving that bow. Um, I'm loving that bow, and I've kind of built it out um, a little different, a little special this year. Um, I named it the Prince. I was watching. <laughs> Fresh Prince of Bel Air one night, and I was just like, man, I like all these colors. Like, I want to make a bow that represents the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. And so the strings <laughs> are flow pink, lime yeah, green, cool. and electric blue. Love it. Um, all of the fletchings, I shoot a four fletch. All four fletchings are different colors with a different wrap color. So it's just covered in color. And uh, that's cool. I pull that bow out. I pulled that bow out in Oklahoma with Chuck Adams and Chuck just goes, what is going on? <laughs> he goes, what is that? And I'm like that right there, sir, is the Prince. And uh, That's awesome. so I built it out kind of flashy and kind of special, but I really am liking that bow, man. Um, but I don't know. I, I just, I love the whitetail max. That bow is a shooting, but I, it's a shooting son of a gun, man. I love the simplicity in it. I love, I love the shootability in it. You know, I love that with a six hundred and fifty dollar bow, I'm stacking arrows, you know, at sixty yards, and it just it shoots really, really well. Um, yeah, that's cool. Love that bow, man. I uh, I would love to get one of these bows like disassembled, like not together yet, so that you could you could literally paint everything separately. You know, like the riser your own way or whatever, without the stickers oh, on it cool. either. So that way you can like kind of put everything on so it looks fresh and new. Because I I love the '80s theme, you know, concepts. Like if I could if I could choose a bow and create an '80s theme or like um or like a SpongeBob theme, I think that would be so fun. Like, I mean, one cam's yellow, one cam's orange, you know, like just like completely deck it out to be, and you know, what could do it. And I don't, I don't think bear has this option yet, but like some of the bow companies are getting into this fading, right. Where it starts one color and fades to another. But the thing is you would need some sort of like high end colors, like, like bright blue or bright yellow, right. To do like a SpongeBob idea. And I don't know if I ever told you this, but uh, when I did the, uh, bow. We did a 2023 bow catalog last year. We do one every year, pretty much, where it goes through every bow and every brand. But anyways, I asked Bear. I said, "Listen, I really would like to have a bear bow be the main bow on the cover of the thumbnail. You know, so when people see it, they'll see this bear. But, but I don't want your standard stuff. I want you to give me a bow that's a weird color. I need you to like basically change the color in in uh, in Photoshop, right? I understand you're not gonna build it, but just Photoshop it. So they Photoshop me a fade like I'm talking about in a bear bow. It looked unbelievable." I was like, why can't you guys just make this? <laughs> like, this thing is sick. What about that? 
Oh, can you see that? No, I never saw that. Wow, what is that? <laughs> so that was April Fool's 2022. <sighs> no, I and, want it. Uh, What's funny is I was with the guys that was during the Oklahoma total archery challenge. And so when that goes up, when that got posted, I was with all the guys from bear and the amount of dealers that were calling them saying, Hey, I've got seven people wanting this bow. Um, You know, they want this bow now. Honestly, I'll give my, that was an April fool's joke. That was an April fool's joke. And they're like, yeah, we're like, well, dude, people want it. And uh, so an April Fool's joke turned out to them trying to get a lot of orders for a bow that never I wonder existed. how I like, wonder how they would even do that, though. It looks very complicated. I'm I don't know. Lie. I don't know anything about painting. It, well, it's exactly what you want to do. That is exactly what I want right there. I'll take that one, number one, right off the bat. <laughs> Whoever the designer is, I forgot his name, but the designer of Bear does that Photoshop stuff is unbelievable. That guy is unbelievable because I, I had... When I asked him, like, oh, oh yeah, no problem. And he came, and he came back exactly like I was hoping. I was like, oh, my God. And it's like such high quality, too. I was like, this is perfect. But, man, I sometimes I wonder. It's like, I, I don't know if it would. I think it would do a lot better than they even think, like, to do something random like that, you know. And you could charge a lot more for that. You know, they could charge another 200 bucks for that. I would pay it because I understand the process is going to be more detailed, you know, more custom. So so can you show us the bow that they made, that they designed? Do you have that? Um, I think I can. Let me just uh, see if I can look it up. Look it up real quick. See if I can pop. What's it that in. guy's name? Um, he does all the crazy Hoyts, and he disassembles them and um, makes his own bow every year. Sarah coats the the limbs, the riser, the the cams, the sights, everything on his bow. What is his name? Zach Griffith. Have you ever seen him? Uh yeah. Yep. This is uh you can see the yeah. thumbnail if you just type in real quick because I can't you I don't think I can oh, can I share my screen? I don't know if I can uh, uh I don't know. I don't think I so. can just tell you real quick. Just you go on YouTube and go to just go on YouTube search uh Bow Hunter Planet and then put compound bow no no put bow hunter planet buyer's guy twenty twenty three. And that'll it'll come up with all basically all I do in those videos is go through one at a time of the it's a lot of work, but it's it's fun. Last year was fun. We actually oh, yeah. uh, last year was cool. I actually included Mike's archery into that and Podium Archer actually as well. So that was kind of fun to have both those guys throw some video content into that video. That one there doesn't have the fade though. I think right uh, there. I don't know why. See if I can find. See if I can find the. Uh, I wish I could zoom in, but I don't know how to do that. There. Because when they sent them to me, dude, I was like, that That's is really cool. Sick. I was like, that is really And then you cool. said, now actually make it. I said you didn't have to make it, but now you have to make it. <laughs> yeah, I honestly, I'd love for them to, to make it, man. That would be unbelievable. I, I don't know. I so mean, what's, I don't know. So what's coming up next for Bowhunter Planet, man? What do you got? What do you got coming down the down the down the pipe? Oh God, what don't I have coming? It's crazy. Um, right now I'm going to start doing head to head videos. I've been, I just finished one. It was the APA versus the uh, Matthews lift. So some of my next ones coming up will be Hoyt versus Matthews. And then I'll do bear versus Matthews bear versus Hoyt. It's always trying to find that right 
reason to connect the two brands, I guess. So like, for instance, with the EPA and the Matthews, it was easy because they're both 3.99 pounds in aluminum. So I was like, oh, that's a, that's a simple, you know, head to head, right? We have a reason to go head to head. So with the bear persists, I, I plan to put that head to head, but I'm trying to find the contender. <laughs> I got to find the right contender to put it against. So yeah. I don't know if I'll go off price <laughs> or we'll go off, you know, cams. I don't know. You know what I mean? If there is a contender. <laughs> so I, I'm not here to badmouth any other brand. Um, because people are going to like other bows and that's perfectly fine. Whatever bow you choose, whatever bow you like, whatever bow shoots best for you, that's the bow you should shoot. But I can say this. I spent last Saturday in Live Oak Archery, which is in College Station, Texas. Pope and Young had an event down there and I shot all the new 2024s. The bears were not as fast and they were heavier than every other bow. But they were smoother and quieter than every other bow. Like I, you know, I shot every bow and there were definitely bows. Where I was like, dude, that's a screaming bow. Like that is torching way yeah. faster than my bear. But none of the bows were as smooth and or as quiet as the persist. Um, there were bows that came close. Um, there were bows that I thought, well, I, I could shoot that bow. Um, but I can honestly say that I liked the persist. I liked the way the Persist shot better than any other new 2024. I can honestly say that. And there were years, there were years where I would not say that. There were years where I would say X bow shoots way better than bear bow. Y bow shoots way better than bear bow. But this year I can say with the Persist, the people asked for a, a bow that would compete and bear did it. Like they, they made a bow that, and, and again, guys, if you're listening to this, you might very well choose a Matthews over a bear. That's fine. You might very well choose a Hoyt over a bear. That's fine. You might choose a PSE or a Bowtech or whatever it is that you choose. However, you can, yeah, you can never the go persist, wrong with a bear, though. The persist <laughs> will compete with any bow. I can promise you that. Yeah, definitely. And you can, you can always, a bear is always a high quality, high longevity. I mean, that's what I love about bear. I mean, the brand alone obviously has been on a very long time. So, I mean, there's no reason you couldn't trust into a bear higher level bow. I know some people that'll be like the comments like, well, they haven't been building them long enough. I'm like, yeah, but they've been building bows a long time, you know, like just because they haven't yeah. really pushed that side of the market. And is that a bad thing? Cause I feel like they've been doing it for the consumer, keeping the price down. So it's like kind of like a, a win-win. Even this one at twelve forty nine ninety nine is still a good price, to be honest. Now a lot of the bow manufacturers have moved towards the fourteen hundred mark, so I mean you're still saving a little bit of money to st stick, you know, go with the bear brand. If you're a bear shooter now, you know it'd be a very logical move to go straight up. If you're another brand shooter, then I would just recommend getting to the store, shooting the bear up against what you're shooting today and uh, what you know what the competition has. Because like I said, like like Dylan said, you know. The bows fit different to different people, and Bear has an amazing grip system on their bow. It's very ergonomic, um, and so I think you're going to find that, you know, some people are going to love that grip. Some probably won't, but it's just the way it goes, right? I mean, that's how bows are. Um, how does it feel to you? Remember, they did a whole bunch of stuff to this bow. I mean, they started moving into different limbs with these bows, this this, and the Execute last year. So th that's, you know, new limb systems here, new pockets to do that. Uh, the original limbs that we see on the other brands the other bows uh the muscle limb they would call that in the background the muscle limb and that bow that limb's tried and true for 20 years i mean i think it's amazing what they've been able to do with it and that's why there's such good value on those those other bows you know and that's another thing dylan too that you know 
that's another good head to head would be one of those lower cost bows versus a lower cost bow, right? Because bear is pretty dominant in that sector, man. Just dominant. Yeah, there is no like in in my opinion, there's there's no competitor at that six hundred price point. No, like, I, I can't really, think of one bow. <clears throat> I can't think of one bow that's going to compete with an Alaskan XT or a Whitetail Max at that price point. Um, you know, and and I've even said. I'll even go as far as to say this. And I've said this before. I think I've said this with you on the show before. If somebody were to come up with a 3D printed stock grip that could be put on any bow, you could not tell the difference in grips. Now, that's a kind of an unfair comparison because a lot of what you're going to like and dislike about a bow is the grip. Mm-hmm. But if somebody could put a, a, a grip on every bow and you shot them blindfolded, you would not be able to tell the difference in a shootability in a Whitetail Max or an Alaskan XT with other top-end bows. Again, blindfolded. Now take off yeah. the blindfold and you can see, okay, well, these bows, you know, they're not they're not as well machined. They're not as well finished. There are some budget things that they skipped out on to save on cost. But as far as shooting them and filling the shot and 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 how quiet they are and how forgiving they are and how well they shoot, you wouldn't notice a difference. I'd be now, curious again, to see. Yeah, I'd be curious to see where Bear's going to go with this. Like, what's the next persist? What's the, what's coming up? Right. I'm, I'm very curious to see the direction they start to move with these high end bows because they, like I said, they've done a great job, and uh, you know, obviously they're going to keep doing it. So I am curious to see what they do. I'm curious to see where any bow company is going to go. Like that's true. <laughs> they're not going to see differences next year. There's too much change this so year. They're so stinking good, man. Like mm-hmm. all bows, and I'm not. Uh, I'm not even saying like the mainstream bows, but your your yeah. expeditions and your Athens and your you know your smaller bow companies. Every bow company is making phenomenal bows. Where do they go There's- from here? There's been some interesting breakthroughs this year. You know, we, we Athens launched a new AccuTune, so it's like a tuning system. It's kind of similar to the de- deadlock from Bowtech. So some of those type of things are definitely breakthroughs where you're, you know, I have no idea, you know, longevity, what's going to be the better one or whatever. But some of the tuning stuff is definitely an area of of looking at for different brands. But also gadget wise, you know, APA launched tons of gadgets on their bow this year, stuff that didn't even really consider. Um, so those are areas I think that the companies are focusing on, like tuning and gadgetry, you know, they'd be able to put things on it. I think that's what you're starting to see. Even Bear did that, right, with the persist, with that little loop at the top. That's a good idea. And the reason it's a good idea is it, it draws attention to the bow. Like, even though it, it has a good point to it, or you can pull your bow up with it, it brings attention, right? Because people are like, what's that loop? I got to see this. I heard there's a bow with a loop, right? Uh, and I think that's very important for companies. And I said that to them when I talked to them, like, dude, that was a good idea. You know, that's a good marketing piece because you got to have something that stands out that draws people's eyes to the bow. Like, what is that? I got I to look into it, you know? It's always good yeah. to have questions. <laughs> now, I will say, I thought the pull-up rope was gimmicky. Um, when I first saw it, I thought, man, no, no more the which gimmicks. One? Like, the pull-up rope, the loop on top. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then you hunt with it, and you're like, I really like that. <laughs> like, I oh, like that it's right awesome. there. Um, That's cool you idea. don't have to clip. You don't have to clip metal onto your cam. You know, you don't have to wrap something around your cam. Um, you know, doing a podcast with PJ Riley, and he was like, "Dude, you don't want to attach something metal to your cams. Like, that's a, a bad yeah. idea." 
And so that's brilliant of Bear to put that there. And, and you know, honestly, I still at that point, I was like, well, it's kind of gimmicky, though. But then you hunt with it and you're like, man, that's super convenient. Like, I really like having that right there to click my pull-up rope on, pull it up, unclick. Like, it's 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 really well thought of. And so, um, you know, but I will say that companies are still innovating. Like, companies are still changing. They're trying new stuff. Um, you know, you take the Matthews, the lift. You know, that's four cam- uh, four limbs, essentially, held together by a rubber gasket or whatever it would be called or considered. It's yep. um, a brilliant idea. Something to try. Um, yeah. And so companies are still innovating. The point I was making is just, man, technology has come so far. Bows have come so far. Like, if you could yeah. take Fred Bear and you could pull Fred Bear out of history – and hand him a persist and say, "This is what they're going to be in 24." Jeez. <laughs> he's just gonna—he's not going to believe you. Like he's going to shoot that bow and be like, "Dude, this is this is yeah, unreal." A lot of that has, to do, with the, unreal that has to do with the machine capabilities too, though, that have come come across in the last yeah. few years. You know, I mean, six-axis machining. I mean, there, there's a reason he would understand it. Is my point, like that he if he saw the new machinery yeah. that they're, they've built, and he'd be like, "Oh man, I wish I had that when I was younger," you know, to do those things and. Yeah. Personally, I think he would understand that because he was a machine. He understood machines and stuff. So I think he would totally get it that a machine someday would be able to do a lot more cutting. And, you know, but it, it, cam wise, he'd probably be blown away by what there is today and suppression and stuff like that. I yeah. think there's a lot to say. I don't think you're going to see a lot of difference in risers next year from the majority of the industry because most of them launched a new riser this year, including Bear, um, on a lot of their stuff. So I think you're going to see the same risers next year, but I think you'll see different axle axle links this is pretty much the mo of the industry right there's kind of like this this the way it works right so the one there's a new when there's new riser it sticks around for about three to five years and then you'll see you know axle axle changes you'll see cam changes slightly you know we'll see i don't know what else they're going to do when it comes to inline type ideas because the ims the picatinny i mean those are all genius and now that they're done what would be the next step you know it, it's hard to tell and, and i don't know if you saw uh, Bowtech created their own uh, bridge lock concept where they just put a bar through. It's like a straight bar because they couldn't do a bridge lock picatinny. But the problem with that is no one has that bar except for black gold because they own it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of like it works, but not really because you have to buy a black gold, which I get it from a business standpoint. But, you know, will Trophy Ridge carry that that bar? Will other people? I don't know. Right. I don't know. Yeah. So hard to tell something. Yeah. Absolutely, man. And that's what that's what's so fun about archery. Like that's what I love about the sport of archery. Is it's constantly changing. And, and you know, probably every sport has some sort of, of that change and that innovation. But I mean, you look at and maybe this sounds ignorant because I, I'm not I don't know, but like you look at baseball bats and it's like, dude, it's been the same shape, size, and functionality forever, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're yeah. changing stuff about grips and the core of a bat, and I'm sure they're changing all that stuff. But good point. It's the exact same. You know, it's it's a one, especially if you look at wood bats. It's a piece of wood shaped the exact same way. You know, volleyballs have never changed. Baseballs have never changed. Like, but the sport of archery is constantly they're constantly innovating and improving, and it's so fun to watch, man. It's yeah. just so cool to see and watch and. If you want to, if you want to remember how far we've come, go pick up a 1989 bow and shoot it. Like, Heck yeah, 
go pick up a 1989 bow and try to shoot it for 20 shots. And you'll realize, wow, uh, there was 40% let off and you know, it's a harsh draw cycle and it's hand shot. You, know, you got to like shoot an over. Yeah. It feels like Dude, a gun going off in your hands. It does. It hits your hand so hard. Like I, I shot, we've been, you know, we really focus on that classic series that we're going to be bringing that back here coming up uh, just after the season. But the classic series kind of goes back and, you know, shows you older bows. We pick them up on eBay, have them redone by our friends at Gas Bowstrings, and then they send them back to us. We then get to work on them. But um, we basically try to highlight it, cover it, you know, talk about the specs at the time, anything we can find on the bow. But anyway, most of those bows, every time you shoot it, it your left hand, your holding hand, it, it pushes it forward, like hard. Like it feels like you're, it almost kind of hurts a little bit. It's weird. And it's like everything, when you fire that bow, like that pressure going forward takes the whole bow forward. It's so weird. <laughs> it's so, so how crazy. old does a bow have to be how old does a bow have to be to be considered a, a classic bow or a throwback bow or whatever uh, for us it's really like i've been going pretty much 2013 and beyond and before because i still want to cover some of it because even when you see a 2013 bow it's way different than a 2024 yeah and that's why i you know like even seeing a creed from matthews or a carnage from bear like those look completely alien to people with today's bow. So um, we've been going back all the way to the eighties. Uh, and I think we might even have something from the fifties, uh, a traditional and uh, which you would love. Actually, I got one here. No, I don't. Dang it. It's at the other place, but um, we do have this old one. Actually, you can tell me cause you, you understand the numbers. I don't know how to read it. Uh, Alec tried to show me how to read it the one time, but I unfortunately didn't, uh, can't find the video. All right. What? How do I read the number? I have oh, no God. idea. Oh God! I would have to look at a bow. Jeez. I'd have to look at a bow and compare it so I could, you know. I always forget you're like a huge trad person, so I wanted to see if you could tell you me. Know, you know, that is something that. I am a big trad person, but I'm not a big historical trad person, which I do want to get into. Um, but every time I find an old bow, I basically got to call somebody at bear and be like, Hey, is this crazy cool? Or is this normal? And they're like, it's a completely normal bow. It says XK238. Like, so I don't know what that means, but if it's a, if it's a 38, it's pretty old. It's a Kodiak special. It's pretty yeah, old. I don't know. This I, isn't my oldest def- though, but I got, this is, I old. definitely know who to ask though. Yeah. Um, it's pretty cool. Cause there are a couple bows like, the the elite energy 32 uh-huh, crazy yeah. good bow oh yeah that used to be one of my favorite bows ever um then you look at like the matthews uh z7 that was a phenomenal shooting bow for its time you know it was really really stood out amongst the crowd um yeah there are some bows man that that really changed the game you look at the bear whitetail that really changed the game yeah, bear, I got that one. We have a, a decent amount of bear selection for the old stuff over there. Then we have a lot of Matthews. Matthews was easy because they had Matthews did this thing um, and bear might have this somewhere, but Matthews has a spreadsheet online that was easy to access. And that spreadsheet has their whole history of bows and it has everything from the you know full specs and price at the time and year and model year. So it's so easy to follow it. Like I can I have it, you know, I kept it because I use it for the show. But anytime I find a Matthews, I have all the information. 
It's that simple. Any other brand, I've struggled to find the, the specs or details or information behind them. Hmm. Um, so I don't know. I actually was talking to Joel at Matthews about that at the Total Archer Challenge because I said, man, thank God you guys had this spreadsheet because it saved me, you know, to like understand like all this information. So my point being, I started with Matthews being the big one I've been doing because I had all the information. It was so easy to find. <laughs> but yeah. the other ones, I spent hours trying to research, you know, finding them. You need to shoot the uh, the original, since you're such an Alaskan guy, you need to shoot the original Ooh, bear Alaskan. I like that. Yeah, because I talked to Bear, but the problem was they didn't have all their bows there in Evansville. They had them uh, down in Florida, like a lot of the classic stuff. Yeah. Because I was like, you guys can't can get my hands on some of these, you know, because I was hoping to try to shoot them. But they got them like in storage, too. It wasn't like simple to get, you know. I think the original Bear Alaskan was like 1970. Um, and that was actually a cool story. That was actually the first bow that Chuck Adams ever killed his first Pope and Young Animal with killed his first Pope and Young Animal oh. with a Bear Alaskan. And then the year that he comes to Bear, they come out with the the Bear Alaskan. And so um, he was shooting the Bear Alaskan, killed new world records with it. Um, now he's shooting the Alaskan XT. So you need to get your hands on the Alaskan. The original a, I found Alaskan, Alaskan. Must have been the second edition. Yeah, and so that would probably be like, I don't know, 70, 72, 74, somewhere in there. Barrel asking, I just eBay most of these and look at it. And like right now, I'm looking and I found that one. It looks like it's the. See, some of these look old, but I don't know how to know how old they are. Barrel asking two. It looks pretty cool, actually. I'll add that. Yeah, I'll make that to cool. my watch list. It is nice. Is it wood? Um, it looks like it's wood. Uh,. Oh my oh. gosh, I think I found the original. He said, Oh my gosh. Dude, has it got it's got like lever looking things on it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that I found was it. The, it's got a it's I, got a ram on it. Wow, that's cool. Don't quote me, but I think that was kind of the first time that Bear tried the lever bow. Um I think, if I remember correctly. And uh and so that would be like why that. it'd be so cool to shoot and 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 try it, you know, because you're all about the Alaskan. Um, so you need to shoot the original one, man. I spent so much money on these bows. It's still stupid. People be like, you're an idiot. Like <laughs> I have like 35 old bows, all price points between 50 bucks and 500 bucks that I bought over That's the funny. past like three years for the show. But I, you know, I find it fun and I, you know, we try to get sponsorships on purpose to help pay for it, you know? And, um, so it's been kind of a fun adventure to do them, to be honest. And people like it a lot because they like to see some of those old bows they've never seen. And and to be honest, I really like the idea of collecting those bows for the video and having that video on YouTube forever, right? So it's like almost like a yeah, it's almost like a library of the memory yeah. of that bow, you know. An and then archive, I don't have to keep absolutely. the bow, I get rid of it. But like you know, it's kind of nice to have that. Summer would always be able to go and see those bows. I want to really create an archery heritage concept coming up. That's going to be. Uh, to pick your brain so many people i gotta talk to about it but like just trying to capture all those old bows in video and or photography um and and just so people always remember the specs you know make it easy to find like for, for me i'm searching so hard to find this stuff It'd be so nice if i could just find everybody's freaking info you know and just be able to easily list it for people and you know i'll tell you who you need to have on the show like 100 percent, you need to have him on and he'll blow your little mind 
is Neil Bice the third who runs the bear archery factory in Gainesville. He was Fred bear's last student. Um, he wow. helped design, he helped design the, the, the golden latch takedown with bear on that team. Uh, he's got stories about all these bows, you know, he's got stories about people coming and saying, Hey, we got to try a compound. He's like, no, you know, I mean like just in the midst of all the innovation and all of, all of, Fred Bear saying, Hey, this is going to be the next big thing. And people saying that's the stupidest thing we've ever heard. And mm -hmm. now it's still used today. I mean, so just really, really, he, he's the hidden gem of archery is what I call him. Like yeah. he is phenomenal. He's very intelligent, very wise. Um, and he's been around everything. And so, um, that was the guy that I told you about that, uh, when I went down, when I went to the factory, to bear and did the tour he gifted me with a custom one-of-one -one takedown that he made and just wow. unreal man he's so so cool to talk to so knowledgeable on the history of archery on the innovating changes of archery um just a, a really neat guy and so i will 100 uh get you in touch with him so you can can have him on we need to uh we need to go down there man you and me together could be a Let's magical moment we could really do a lot of good content together down there I this mean, that, interviewing somebody moment. like him interviewing someone like him and then getting some of those old bows on video would be i can't tell me imagine. when i'm there yeah we got to figure that out honestly and the other thing i talked to you about too is um oh so part of the uh Classic Series 2 is covering historical figures in the industry, you know? And so, obviously, we did Fred Bear. The first video was Fred Bear, and that was the only one we did so far. But it did really well. Um, hundreds of thousands of views. People, it's one of the first videos to pop up on YouTube when you look up Fred Bear history. So, I want to talk to you about the next person we should look at. You know, whether it's Ben Pearson. Ishii. Whether it's, you know, who was it? Ishii. Yeah, th that's what I'm saying. Those are the people I need to look into. Easton, like these are the guys I want to start getting on a list of, you know, let's make some magic type stuff, make these videos come back to life to bring these people back to, yeah. the, you know, so. Yeah, of course, we just lost Jim Easton last week. Yeah, um, so sad. Very sad to see. Uh, but no, there are guys, you know, there are guys in the industry, um, you know, and, and I would have to find somebody to help you cover Ishii. Uh, but basically... And I'm not going to even try to cover the history of Ishii, but, um, yeah. you know, he was, he was the last living Indian and, you know, met Pope and young and taught them archery and, you know, passed that down, like just incredible history there. Uh, Chuck Adams does an incredible, an incredible speech about the history of Ishii. Um, but, uh, yeah, Jim Easton, Ben Pearson, um, man, I, I shouldn't have started naming names because Pete Shepley, um, you know, guys that, that changed the industry forever with their innovative, with their innovative technology and their patents and their, you know, man. Yeah. But, uh, we're losing more and more of them. And, uh, yeah. it was definitely sad to see Jim go, you know, he built Easton into what it is. Uh, he made, made advances and changes to the industry that, that changed everybody, you know, on their aero, on their aero technology. And so, man, I'll tell you what, uh, I'll tell you what's coming up. Exciting for us. The first five weeks of 2024. Um, so the first five Wednesdays, we have a bow tech series coming out. So we're teaching hmm. people from the ground up, pull your bow out of the, out of the box, how to set it up, how to check the timing, how to check the tuning, how to, 
set your draw length, your poundage, how to um, tie in peep size, D loops, how to, uh, it's going to be a really cool episode, a really cool series, five part series. Um, the first few episodes were with PJ Riley um, talking more of the technical stuff. And then, then I'm joined by Caleb from bear and we talk about the tuning and, and getting the bow shooting perfect. So that I'm really excited about that because again, I think it's going to be, you know, just like you said, you want to build a library. Um, I want to build an informational library that way. Uh, anytime somebody goes to set up a bow, they know, well, Hey, there's that series that'll walk me through it. Um, and I can watch that. Cause I, I'm the type of guy, every time I go to tie in a peep side or something, I got to look at it. You know, I don't just remember those things. Um, and so I'm really excited to build that kind of informational library that people can learn and grow from. So I'm Fun. pretty stoked about that. That should be great. Those are, those are really important videos. And I think, uh, people will really respect that and, and you know, use those a lot. I, I, anytime we do videos like that, they usually do very well. And, um, it's nice to have, like you said, the resource for people to go to and find it. And, you know, with bear, you guys can use it as different, you know, in the website, things like that would be very helpful. Yeah, absolutely, man. So Dave, I appreciate you coming on, man. It's always a pleasure. I am now incredibly bummed that I don't get my uh, dose of Dave at ATA. Um, I think 25. that needs to be its that needs to be its own series in and of itself. Just a dose of Dave, like just dose Dave being Dave. Dave. I will. What we really need is a crater. Uh, it's not an ATA. We need a crater time frame where all craters come together, like for two weeks in some weird place, and work on content for archery. That's what we really need. That would be cool. Like a. And we might have something that we're working on. Stay tuned. Yeah, that would be cool. Guys, thank you so much for listening. You guys have a fantastic week. Wait, 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 wait. We got to ask one more question, Dave. It's Christmas, dude. Next, um, you know, <laughs> this goes out on the 13th. So we're 12 days out from Christmas. There's still time to order some presents. What would be your number one gift? And 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 we've already covered budget buy bows. So if you're like, you know, I want to buy my husband a new bow or I want to buy my wife a new bow, we've covered those. So what would be that number one archery gift that you would get somebody this year that you've seen and you're like, dude, if somebody got me that, I would be stoked. I would tell everybody the best number one archery gift to give people today is the Bowhunter Planet Archery Repair Kit, basic edition. Nice. Yeah, nice. perfect stocking stuffer, and it's on sale right now. And that was not planned. Dylan did not plan. <laughs> I had no idea I was going to say that. But no, really, it is, no it is a good little gift. It is a good little gift. And uh, I've been I've been telling people on TikTok and all these other places, like, hey, FYI, I mean, this is a great little pickup for people. Put it in their stocking. Fits perfectly. And it helps in the field. I mean, people, I don't think people realize how important that little kid is in the field. We actually used it twice this year already in the field. Um Brian's rest moved and we had to fix all that. And I mean, we needed the materials in there. So a light went out. We had to get some batteries. I mean, there was just a lot of things. Um, the reasons that people would use that kit in the field. I mean, to not have to go to the archery shop every time something happens is, you know, very helpful. So, all right. yeah. so what, is, what, is, what is the repair kit for, for those that have not? Yeah. So we created it, this thing. It's it. called the Team BHP Archery Repair Kit. And basically it's a $50 box it's on sale right now, but it's $50 box. It's a plastic box that goes in. It'll fit in your backpack. It'll fit in your 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 bag, your truck. And inside that kit, you'll have a basic rest, a basic sight, uh, D-loop material, uh, Allen wrench set keys. You'll have uh, all the materials you need, 12 different pieces that keep your thing, your, your bow hunt going. So sometimes people might break a D-loop in the field. They don't have extra material. Well, that's in the box. Um, there'll be a, a cutting tool to be able to cut that. 
Um, the only thing you have to add is a lighter so you can burn the ends off, but like, that's about it. Like it's a perfect little kit to throw in your bag and uh, keep yourself. We have that in three sizes. We have a basic edition, a uh, plus, and then a premium or a pro model. So price obviously goes up, but it adds different things. Like the pro model has a bow press in it, you know, um, and a release, a an extra release, an actual mini bow press, a, a mini release. So, you know, some people buy the pro that are like Western hunters because they, you know, they really need everything in the field. They can't. So we've sold a decent amount of the pros because of that. But our biggest seller is the basic. I mean, we've sold tons of them. Uh, but again, that's because people realize that, hey, well, I'm not going to have to worry about it. I'm just going to throw this in my truck and call it a day. And then if I ever need it, I know it's there. You know, it's like a simple, okay, yeah, I have this if my rest breaks or something. I've Listen, we've, there's been so many times we've, this kit would have came in handy. And this is where the idea came from. We were in Canada hunting bear. John Cedar was walking and hit his sight against a tree on accident. And it broke the height, the housing broke off and so with this kid he could have just put our cheap little site back on and had a way to complete his hunt in the middle of nowhere 30 miles in the deep woods uh he could have sighted in real quick and, and been route and going instead he had to shoot a bow like you would shoot it with no sight on it with the compound <laughs> that's what happened wow. i mean he got stuck with no and he did it he's because he he had experience from traditional like yourself so he was able to do it but i'm just saying the average person's not doing that you know so to have that extra what little the heck cheap kind of bow press does it come with? You've, you've, you've got me on a whole one. new deal. Mini well, bow press. What kind of it goes on the ends. It's a cable system and you tighten it and it presses the bow. How the, the heck bow. does that work? I got to. You've just Check sent me out. down a. You've just sent me down a, a rabbit Red hole, hole of Googling bow presses today. Yeah, it's a mini bow press. They call it. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. The, the, the normal one. I get it obviously cheaper. We bought it kind of direct. And then we added it to our kit, but we, we, th we is it felt the Bowmaster G2. It's like that one, but ours is a generic one, but yeah, same concept, same concept. Does it work well? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's slow. I mean, it's not like you're going to move quick on or anything, but it'll help you in the field to break down a bow. Now, some bows don't need that press. Like for instance, the, the, the lift doesn't need it. You can do the SAS system for the Matthews APA doesn't need it. They have a breakout system where you can have this bar that goes in your cam. You don't need, it's a lockout. You don't need a press. So like, depends what bow you have, you may or may not even need that press. Um, depends, but. Dude, I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, very intrigued. Hey, bonerplant.com. Get it today. I actually, I actually just had a guy, I had a guy and I was telling him, I said, man, I really need a bow press. I need to buy a bow press. I'm like, I just don't want to spend, you know, 450 bucks on a bow press. And that press said, would be easier with a drill. Yeah. If you use the drill on the head on the end there, you could go a little faster. Oh uh, yeah. And do it. You could just do a drill on the end of that one. If you had it capable. Shout out to my guy, Ethan, if you're listening. Cause I said, uh, I need a bow press. And he said, well, you're talking to a guy who, um, you know, is an engineer and a welder. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I don't, he's like, I could build you a bow press. And I'm like, no, you couldn't dude. Like this would be garbage. And, uh, literally like I've pressed probably 40 bows now with it. And I'm so, I'm so impressed with it, dude. Just a, a bow press in my garage that a buddy of mine built and it works flawlessly. However, this mini bow press now has me super intrigued for in the field. And oh, I am, sure. uh, I'm super intrigued by this. Now I'm just down a rabbit hole of Googling. So I might have to place an order on bowhunterplanet.com. Let's go. 
<laughs> the pro ones on sale as well right now. So we've been trying to do some Christmas sales and get people uh, inspired, but those will go away. So I'm just warning everybody that we'll go back to normal pricing. And we have to because uh, we actually have pro shops that carry. Uh, Mike's Archery has the, the the kits there too at his location. So um, we can only do sales for a certain amount of times because then they, you know, they they would get mad if it's too, it too long. But yeah, Man. if you're in Ohio, Mike's Archery has them right then and there, along with You've tons of bare bows. You've got me very intrigued um, because you're looking at the cost of this and you're like, wait a minute, $149. That's the, what the pro kits on sale for right now, $149. And you're getting a rest. You're getting a site. What kind of Release. rest inside are you getting? That's a trophy Ridge site. And then a generic basic rest. So it's kind of like, it's, it's like the octane octane one. It's not the, it's not a whisker biscuit, but it's like that. It's the one that holds it in three places. Man, so these are cool. cheap things. I want to be clear, but the point is, it's not about the quality of them. It's about them getting you through the hunt. And at the end of the day, your goal is to go back to your pro shop to get your good stuff fixed back up. This is literally a band aid to keep you going in the field. And like I said, a lot of people don't have a pro shop or for like for us, a good example of this is when we're hunting in October, there's one local pro shop about 15 minutes from where we hunt. And that pro shop, you go in there, you're going to be in there for four hours. That's how busy it is yeah. in October. So if you're trying to fix a D loop, I mean, this kit gives you the ability, a peep site, this kit gives you the ability. The basic kit won't have that press, of course, but the one with the press will keep you, you know, really out of the pro shop for that weekend. And that's the key. It's just keeping you out for the temporary solution. That site and that rest are both to come back off that bow and then replace it with a new one or something you're better. You know, this again, these are patchworks, even though the trophy Ridge is a good site on there. No joke. It's their cheaper model, but you know, I, you could leave it. I wouldn't do it. I would just still put your better, you know, trophy Ridge on or your spot hog or your black hole, whatever, you know, but so between the patch. between the plus and the pro is all you're getting is the press. No, you get the release. There's an actual full oh. release in that in that plus or the pro. And uh, I think there's extra things. So like so there's like 32 pieces, I believe. So there's like more inserts, more veins, more glue. You get a little bit of extra things. And I don't know what people need. So we just created a couple ox options to say, look, let's just put a dump a ton of stuff in these bigger kits right so like if you're just like you know what i just don't know what i need i just want a full first aid kit you know what i mean basically <laughs> and so yeah let me get one with a ton of stuff in it so how are people gonna yeah, repair veins without a jig does it come with a jig this yeah no there's no jig and I, we talked about the jig idea this is literally gonna be a vein that probably doesn't rip off or you're going to have to manually try to figure out how to do it. So I agree. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. But again, this is in the field type stuff. So if it's somewhere you can just add a little glue to fix your vein that popped off a little bit and not fully, that would probably be the easiest solution. If you had to actually redo the vein, you probably want to bring a jig with you, like a hand jig, you know, like from boning. They have, or not boning. There's one called Easy Something that has like a stick that you could bring which I'd recommend. Yeah. The, the other thing I recommend is a lighter. As soon as you get your kit, add a lighter because we weren't able to add a lighter due to legal issues with lighters. You, there's certain ways to sell lighters. We can't do it. We're not doing it. <laughs> it's easier just to add your lighter. Yeah. Or matches. Guys, go to bowhunterplanet.com. Get your archery repair kit right now for Christmas. Wives, if you're listening, get your repair kit. Husbands, if you're listening, buy yourself yeah. a repair kit and tell your wife you've already done the Christmas shopping for her. This is super cool. <laughs> I've seen them. I've seen them, but honestly, I've only seen the basic one, and I was just like, well, yeah, you know, cool. But I have not seen the pro kit, and I am super intrigued. So 
Mama's going to have to be spending 150 bucks on me for Christmas because I want this. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Y'all have a fantastic week. Go to bowhunterplanet.com, do all your Christmas shopping. Go to beararchery.com, do all your Christmas shopping. All the trophy-rich stuff's there, all the sick broadheads, everything that you could ever need to make a husband and or wife happy and or kids. You know, Bear, with that new uh, greatest Christmas gift you could ever get a kid is a bow. Um, so go to bear.com. The new Little Bear is an awesome recurve for kids. Um, some of the compounds, my kids absolutely love them. Um, so guys go check them all out for your Christmas shopping, get it on order, get it there before Christmas, make somebody super happy guys. I don't need to tell you about the blazer vein. You're probably familiar with the blazer vein and you're probably familiar with boning. Boning has been around forever. It's a name you can trust. They sell products you can trust. They have everything that you need to build your own arrows, all of the jigs to, to fletch your own arrows, all of the veins, all of the wraps, the countless numerous types of veins and wraps to build any kind of configuration you want. They also have some really cool Fredbear branded products with their Fredbear camo wraps and their Fredbear flannel wraps. Something that's really cool about that Fredbear flannel, that's actually a photo that was taken of one of Fredbear's flannel uh, famous shirts, you know, the red and gray and black that he always wore. That's actually a photo taken of his personal shirt and put on a wrap. It looks really cool, especially on some traditional arrows. But my very favorite configuration, and this is coming from an arrow junkie that's tried out all different kind of veins and all different kind of configurations. I have found that this configuration stabilizes pretty much every arrow. It's whisper quiet. They fly fantastic. The three-inch Bronco vein in a four-fletch absolutely flies like a dart, whether you're shooting mechanicals or big fixed this is going to be a fletching configuration that will work again whisper quiet long range accuracy i love this configuration this is on every single one of my compound arrows they just work guys i would highly encourage you to check out boning not just for the blazer vein but for the heat vein for the broncos for the x veins everything um that you need to build your own arrows is right there on boning's website they've been around for ages and i promise you if you order from them you're going to get products that you can trust. Guys, thanks for listening. Y'all have a fantastic week. Thank you.